Good morning, everyone. Our guest this morning is the Archbishop of Anchorage Juno, the Most Reverend Andrew Belisario. Good morning. Well, good morning, uh, Kevin, and good morning to all of uh, your listeners. How have you been, Reverend? I'm sorry. How How have you been? Oh, I've been uh, I've been very well. I've been traveling a lot, working uh, quite a bit, and seeing lots of people. I was just in. Uh, uh, in different parts of Alaska in the past several weeks. Uh, last we caught up with you was back in Easter, and since that time I understand you are, you now also serve as the apolistic administrator for the uh, diocese up there in Fairbanks. Update us on uh, yeah. that. Uh, yes, that, that is correct. Um, uh, bishop Chad Zelinsky, who is the bishop of uh, Fairbanks, was transferred to the bishop of New Ulm, in uh, Minnesota. And so they're in that process of waiting for the Pope to uh, appoint them a new bishop. And in the meantime, the uh, Holy Father has asked me to serve as what we call an apostolic administrator uh, for the uh, diocese, which means I'm their temporary bishop as they await uh, the coming of their new bishop. Hopefully that will be appointed in 2023. Okay, so next year. Now, it must be a ways from when you had started at the diocese here in Juneau before the pandemic. Uh, what have been your thoughts on the responsibilities bestowed on you? Well, that's, um, you know, from the very beginning, I've been honored uh, when I was first asked to be a bishop by the Holy Father uh, in 2017, and I was honored to come to uh, Juneau. Uh, to the Diocese of Juneau and to uh, Southeast Alaska. And so that was a wonderful experience and continues to be, of course, uh, for me now. And then a couple of years later, just before the pandemic began, the Holy Father joined these two uh, dioceses uh, together. Actually, I think he did that right after the pandemic started and uh, asked me to be the Archbishop uh, for the... Um, for the new archdiocese. And so I've been honored again to have those responsibilities. Uh, you know, no one has all the particular gifts and talents for any particular responsibility, uh, but I do the best I can. I've got good people I work with uh, who give me good advice and good counsel. Uh, so again, it's an honor to be asked, and I'm privileged to be able to serve the people of uh, the archdiocese. Very good. Now, I had put up my wreath for Advent. Uh, how have you been preparing for the day of the Lord's birth? Well, the same way all of us have. Uh, you know, through the Advent uh, season, we we begin, uh, well, this Sunday is the third uh, Sunday of Advent, and liturgically we prepare with the Advent wreath and the change of colors and what the priests wear to purple. Um and we have the Advent calendars and other ways in which we prayerfully prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ uh, at Christmas, as we recall again the great gift of our Lord coming uh, in His incarnation as God became man for our sakes. And so we look back in history, of course, during the Advent season, but we also look to the future, uh, we look to the second coming of Christ as he's promised to return to us again. So the season of Advent is a wonderful time for us as we prepare to look back in history, to celebrate Christmas, 
but also to have that hopeful anticipation of the second coming of Christ. What does the what does the third Sunday of Advent mark? The third Sunday of Advent, and especially this year, since we have a full five weeks, it marks the, the middle of Advent. And the liturgical color uh, changes from purple to rose only on that day during uh, Advent. And it's to express a lighter, a lighter tone, but also to, uh, to encourage us to stay steadfast, in our preparation during Advent, is it's a time that we take a little break and see how we're doing and how we can more fully uh, participate in the Advent season through prayer, through fasting, and through good works. And, and next weekend will be on the fourth Sunday, of course. Uh, what's the significance of that as we get closer? Well, each one just brings us closer, and the readings are different each time, and they prepare us from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday prepare us to celebrate uh, the Feast of Christmas. Well, over at uh, our house, we've got our tree back up. Uh, took a moment to get the angel on top. Why, uh-huh. do, why do these things have a connection to Christmas? You know, I think there's a really long tradition of that. You know, uh, really from ancient times, uh, people have decorated, you know, and marked special occasions uh, in people's lives. Way back in ancient um, Egypt, in the Middle East, uh, a lot of times, you know, in those more arid areas, there were certain trees that remained green, and they were used, branches, etc., to be put out to celebrate, especially during the winter time, um, to to remind of that great life that uh, is is present and that will be coming in spring, etc. And after the birth of Christ and through uh, the 2,000-year period of time in which we have, um, uh, since Christ's uh, first coming, um, a lot developed in Europe, um, especially in the northern parts of Europe, where, guess what, it gets cold like it does here. It gets cold, it snows, and uh, there's something uh, really comforting about being able to, again, have something that is evergreen that is close to it, and to be able to decorate it. And at, in the 1800s and earlier, of course, they used candles, etc. And uh, that was very much true in Germany. And then, of course, you remember Queen Victoria from uh, England. She married uh, Prince Albert, who was from Germany. And so England had a lot of those traditions as well. And there was even a picture of the two of them and their family around a Christmas tree that was circulated in the United States. And as more immigrants came in, they brought those traditions with them. And uh, so that's how much of that uh, uh, came to the United States. And, of course, once electricity came around, uh, and good business people uh, decided, well, guess what we can do? Get rid of those candles and put in these beautiful bulbs. And, you know, it's just fun. There's something uh, very comforting, isn't there, about having the light, and uh, especially when it's snowing outside and when it's cold, and to eat some comforting foods. And, of course, for us Catholics and Christians, the most comforting thing of all is the presence of Jesus um, and in his birth, coming to be our Savior, and that's very comforting as well. So I hope that answers some of it. I'd encourage you all to do a little research on that. It's just kind of fun uh, learning about it. Yeah, and (laughs) it must have made the tree a little bit less of a uh, responsibility if it's not lit up with candles, so... 
Yes, well, you can imagine they probably had a lot of problems with that. So, yeah. But that's how that came along. Thank you for sharing that. And Yeah, you're welcome. And tell us about the preparations in the uh, in the archdiocese to observe the day. Well, uh, as usual, uh, as I mentioned before, we're going through the Advent season. Um, all Catholics, uh, in addition to their prayer, uh, try to do uh, works of uh, kindness and charity, um, especially for those who are most disadvantaged. And uh, and like everyone else, uh, you know, prepare with our families and and to recognize that uh, wherever we are, um, we're oftentimes better off than someone else. And so to, to remember the kind, that other people need love and care and attention, especially this time of year. And what about uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Mass? Uh, do you know where that will be happening here in Juneau? Uh, yes, of course. Well, you know, in Juneau we have the... Uh, uh, the two parishes and uh, the shrine of St. Um, uh, Therese, uh, Therese, just uh, north of the city there, uh, I believe. And again, I want to give you this website. It's aoaj.org. And those are the first letters of Archdiocese of Anchorage, Juno, aoaj.org. And you can find out all this information there. But I will tell you, in Juno, um, uh, you know, St. Paul's has uh, masses, um, on, on Christmas Eve, and this year Christmas falls on Sunday, so many places have very similar schedule to their regular schedules. Uh, but I believe St. Paul's has a Christmas Eve Mass at 5.30, and then they have a midnight Mass at midnight, and then Christmas Day at 10.30 and 4 p.m. Uh, the Shrine has a Mass uh, at 10 p.m. Uh, on Christmas Eve, and that's preceded uh, by Christmas carols. Uh, so that's all, always a very beautiful uh, 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 place to celebrate. And then, of course, at the Co-Cathedral, the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, um, they have a 5 p.m. Christmas Eve Mass, a 7.30 uh, Christmas Eve Midnight Mass, and then 10.30 uh, the next morning. Where might you be? And then I, I encourage anybody up in Anchorage or anywhere else in Southeast, all of the information for everybody is uh, on the website, and this year I will be uh, I will be at Anchor in the Cathedral of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Anchorage uh, for their Mass at night, which I believe is at ten thirty on Christmas Eve. I've been in uh, Juno the past five years, uh, so this year I'll be in Anchorage for for Christmas Mass. What might you share with your flock? Oh, I'll, I'll be sharing. You know what we're I share pretty much every year the, the great, wonderful gift that we have received of the Lord uh, commemorating the Lord coming to us, God becoming man, and uh, the salvation that we received on uh, Jesus on the cross, dying for us on the cross. And then um, as we look forward to a second coming, and in between that time, which has now been about 2,000 years, the mission of Christ continues, and that mission belongs to all of us. Uh, to do our best to make the kingdom of God present here on earth through our, uh, through our prayer, through our kindness. And it is in receiving, of course, the gift of faith that we then uh, express that uh, by acts of charity and kindness to all people. Very good. We'll go ahead and take a brief break. We'll be right back back with Archbishop of Anchorage Juno, the Most Reverend Belisario. 
I saw the Archdiocese penned a report for the National Synthesis of People of God in the United States, or the Synod. That will be joined with others for a region report. Tell us about this report. What does it serve as? Well, uh, what is uh, really interesting about this, and it's uh, very good news, is the Holy Father, Pope, uh, uh, Pope Francis, uh, decided to do a consultation of every, every Catholic uh, in the world. And so he asked every diocese, uh, the many of us throughout uh, the world, to organize a, a process by which the people of God uh, could give their input to, to the Holy Father. And so we did that starting back in December with listening sessions and with some uh, good questions. And after a period of time, about four or five months, we came up with a report. Uh, by the way, it's on our website if anybody would like to read it under the tab Synod in the, in the middle section of the website. And once we finished with that report, we sent it to our region, which is northwestern United States, and they compiled the report of all those dioceses. And that report, I believe, is also on our website. Then we sent that nationally to the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops in Washington, and they compiled all of the dioceses in the United States into another report, which is also on the website. And now we're in the process of doing a continental report, which for us in North America would be the United States and Canada, the predominantly English-speaking uh, countries. And when that's done, then all of the continents will send their reports to the Holy Father. So it's a synthesis of all of these reports uh, that, go, that go together. And so that's how the process works. And we did that here in uh, the Archdiocese of Anchorage, and it was very successful. Many people uh, participated uh, and uh, gave their input. What were Share with us some of the key themes that came up during those discussions. Well, some of the key, key themes that came up, and I think they keep coming up, not only in, uh, here in Alaska, in southern Alaska, and southeast, south central, but really in the entire United States, is, uh, first of all, faithfulness to our, to our call, faithfulness to our mission, faithfulness to uh, the teachings of the Church, then uh, that we need to really be a welcoming community uh, and a welcoming Church, wanting people to come and to join us and to be part of us that we need to be clear with our catechesis and our formation and our teaching. Uh, we also need to deal with the legacy of the terrible abuse that happened in our Church um, and how we can continue to promote healing, as well as do our best to make sure that does not happen to prevent any kind of uh, abuse taking place in our Church, uh, to deal with uh, divisions that can come up in our Church, as come up in many places in our society, and our concern for the marginalized people um, in our society, uh, the poor, the disabled, uh, those of uh, different viewpoints than ourselves. And then, of course, the pandemic challenges came up, uh, and uh, it seems like we've weathered those pretty well, um, although they were not easy, uh, how to continue to reach out to the youth, um, and the role and the importance of laity and engaging in ecumenism, which means working together with other churches. Uh, I hope that gives you a, an overview. That's why I encourage you to read the reports. And that'll be joining the many other reports here in the region as yeah. it makes its way over to Europe, huh? Yes. And like I said, all those reports are up on our website. So you can read the one that we put in, the region, 
the national one and then when the continental one's done that'll be up there too now last month we heard some grants from the catholic campaign for human development made it to alaska talk to us about this program and the services it seeks to cultivate okay well this is nothing new of course uh, the Campaign for Human Development is the national anti-poverty program of the United States Catholic bishops, and the work is that works to uh, uh, carry out the mission of Christ and works to break the cycles of poverty uh, by helping low-income uh, folks participate in decisions that affect their lives. In the past several years, we've had they've given grants uh, to um, uh, to the to the food co-op to the Anchorage Faith and Action Communities in, um, in Anchorage, the Valley Interfaith Action, which is in the, in the valley north of, um, north of uh, Anchorage, and the National Alliance of Mental Health, um, Mental Health. So that's what they've done. They continue to do it. And, you know, we collect money from our people, and 25% of what we get stays in our diocese, and then we get other additional grants. So... The church is always very concerned about uh, the poor. And, and like it was mentioned in the Synod report as well. Yes. Yeah. Now, last year we had asked you how you were doing on looking for additional priests. Uh, how has that been going? Well, you know, I wanted to mention something else uh, in addition to that, just very briefly, just to let people know that uh, last month we started a... Um, the Eucharistic Revival, you know, which is a three-year process uh, throughout the United States and in each diocese, in which we are, as I said earlier, about trying to do better catechesis about the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist and the wonderful opportunity Catholics in particular have to attend Mass each uh, Sunday to be able to come to church to worship in the presence of the Lord. And so that's going on, and there'll be a lot of... Uh, uh, catechesis and opportunities for people to participate and others who'd like to learn more about Catholics. Um, one of the, uh, the Catholic faith, one of the things uh, that I try to do, of course, is we do not have enough priests in Alaska uh, for the, our people, not because we're overly populated, but because, as you all know, we're very spread out, we're vast in, in terms of how uh, spread out we are. And um, so I continually try, uh, first of all, through anyone who's interested in considering being a priest who lives here, uh, a Catholic who would want to, a Catholic man who would want to uh, uh, consider that. In addition to that, of course, I reach out to, to other dioceses in the United States and to international priests, too. We have a lot of international priests uh, in Alaska. We have priests from Nigeria. We have priests from Korea. We have priests uh, from India many different places, and they're just high-quality caliber priests, and we're so fortunate to have them, and different religious communities as well. Uh, but as you could probably imagine, priests are hard to come by, um, and so I just continue to do my best uh, to bring them in. Is there anything you'd like to add before we close out the program for today? No, I think I talked about the Eucharistic Revival. Um, in, a, in addition, I just want to wish each and every one of you uh, a good Advent season, of course. A very Merry Christmas to you, to your families. Uh, then, you know, uh, promise my prayers for all of you uh, that uh, we can continue to live and uh, love and care for each other and peace 
the way the Lord really wants us all to live. So just a, a very sincere Merry, uh, Merry Christmas uh, to each and every one of you. And Merry Christmas to you as well. Thank you for joining thank, us. Thank you, Kevin, and thanks to all of you.